With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. MacuHealth, your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gelbin. Welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com and visit my website at drkerrygelb.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B. Vision is our most important and most complex of our five senses. Results from a 2019 UK study show that people would choose to live only 4.6 years of perfect health with sight rather than 10 years blind. Today's guest, Minnesota optometrist, Dr. Patrick Wellick, has dedicated his life to protecting and enhancing patients' vision and health. Dr. Wellick's awards include both the Young Optometrist of the Year and Optometrist of the Year from the Minnesota Optometric Association. Dr. Wellick is an avid athlete and helps young athletes enhance their vision. Dr. Wellick, thank you for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Carrie. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on. So I want to ask you, as a biker and a runner, what do you think are the best contact lenses for bikers and runners? Let's start with bikers first. I, I, I would certainly say, you know, soft, uh, disposable. You will usually use daily disposable type lenses. Um, they're usually the most comfortable lens that we can do. Um, uh, that, that's probably where, and that's the majority of patients we fit in our office anyway, probably 80 to 84% of our patients would be in one day disposable type contact lenses, soft contact lenses. And, you know, sometimes when you're riding a bike, if you're not wearing protective sunglasses over it, the contacts could dry out and your eyes will start tearing. Would you have any secrets for that? You know, again, a, ve a very well-fitting pair of sunglasses that would be wrapped. Um, we're going to usually uh, recommend polarized sunglasses in most cases would probably be the most 
helpful for most bikers, but but certainly a good quality wrap that that also fits very well. Um, so some of the over-the-counter glasses um, may, may, maybe not fitting as as well, and so again, and get good a good fit with a good quality lens is extremely important. And how about runners? Uh, any tricks for runners? Almost the same, really, Carrie. I would say I you know I use an Oakley myself personally. Um, I've used their brand if I'm going to throw out a brand right now. Um, but my, many of the major brands have excellent sports types glasses that will help the athletes um, so they can perform to their highest level. And you, what type of modality do you recommend? Do you recommend dailies, two-week, monthly? What type of contact do you typically recommend for your patients? What do you think is the best way to wear contacts? Yes. Uh, again, I've, I've been a very early adopter to the one-day disposable type contact lenses. Um, again, like I stated before, our practice is approximately 80 to 84% of our patients wear one-day throwaway contacts at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, most certainly they, they've come a long ways. The technology, the the reasons i guess i always tell patients i've got five reasons that i look at of why i would fit you in a certain type of contact and uh the first reason is always what what is the ocular health uh and and not just short-term ocular health carry long term what i'm not fitting this patient just for one week or one year or two years some of these patients may be in contacts for 30 40 years so that's a piece of plastic on that eye for many many years so and by far what I've seen in, you know, in over 35 years of practice, and I've seen contact lens on, on eyes every day of my life, the, the people that's, that wear the one-day disposable certainly have the, have the healthiest eyes long-term. So the second factor we look at is what, what, gives, what provides the most clear, clear vision or best clarity. And again, because the daily disposable does not get as dirty and dry and deposited, so I teach my patients the three Ds, 3D vision, dirty, dry, and deposits. If we can eliminate dirty, dry, and deposits, then we could probably perform better optically. And then the third reason would be comfort. You know, what feels the best on the eye of that patient? You know, we'd like to have that, that lens feel very comfortable for when they put it on in the morning. I hope they can just forget about it, not feel it all day long, and then just be able to throw away at nighttime. And then the fourth reason would be uh, our reason what, or why we fit contacts. Uh, it would be convenience. Um, certainly the dailies, because we don't have to do any cleaning, becomes more convenient in most people's busy lifestyles today. And then the fifth factor we look at is, you know, what, what's the cost of the contacts? So, and, and I'll always tell patients, you know, the, the, the cost of the daily disposables, it, it, it may be more, but, but what do you get? What do you get for that? What's the value proposition? And the value that people get from those other four factors of the best eye health, the best vision, the best comfort, and the best convenient will usually outweigh the cost at that point. A lot of times patients will ask, when should they remove a contact lens? You know, if they're walking around during the day and all of a sudden, when it's a definite time, they have to take the contact lens out and either give their eyes a break or actually call their doctor and be seen. Yes, Carrie, certainly 
you know, if the eye becomes more red, you know, that can be a sign of some inflammation and or infection that we'd want the contact lens out. Um, certainly if they become much more uh, uncomfortable to the eye, okay, more uncomfortable. And again, most of these daily disposables, they, they should, like I said before, should feel very good from, you know, right away when they put them on in the morning till the end of the day. Um, or possibly too, if, if there would be a rapid decrease in their vision where, they're, where all of a sudden they're not seen as clearly as they normally did. And I wanna circle back before about the wraparound sunglasses, the Oakleys that you mentioned, sports sunglasses, any specific tint for any specific sport, whether it's golf or, or biking or you know hiking, do you recommend a certain type of tint for a certain type of activity? Yes, you know, the, the, again, the technologies have progressed so much in the last few years to pr provide better types of tinting for, for different types of athletic activities. So I, again, I, I enjoy golfing. And again, there's there's certain tips that are, I'm sorry, tints that, that can provide much more enhanced vision on the golf course. And the same for many of the other sports, you know, again, skiing, running, golfing. Um, so that, that's one thing we'll have the opticians in our, um, in our optical discuss these op different options and newer options with patients because many of them have no idea that's available now. You know, I'm right now I'm in Florida and my son plays ball and we practice a lot and I'm hitting him fungos and the sweat is getting into my eyes and it, it because of the salt, it changes the way my I, my contact lenses fit. Do you have any recommendations for something like that? Oh gosh! I, I, again, this uh, God, what am I going to say on that one? Um, you, you know, is it more like a set, I should wear a headband, or is it something oh, as simple as that? Or, or yeah, yeah so, somewhat. You know, hats, headbands. You know. Um, cer certainly to keep sweat out of the eyes, it, that's important. Um, yeah, because certainly that can stay and change the comfort of the contact. How about any kind of drops? Like uh, you recommend artificial tears for, for a situation like that when for people who live in, in the South where it's very, very hot, you know, we're seeing 100 degree weathers and people are getting sweat into their contact lenses. The salt is drying out the contact, or at least changing the shape of the contact lens. And people kind of, their vision is kind of being distorted. How about any type of drops? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly that can be used too. So we are, uh, we'll usually recommend a preservative free type tear, um, teardrop. Uh, it's very important to know what type of drop should be used with contacts or without contacts. So, so some of the some of the over the or many of the over the counter drops are not approved to be used with contact lenses. Um, so we want to make sure we're using the right type of drop uh, with contacts. And then also again, we're very very adamant in our practice about using preservative free drops. So we we want less and less of the chemical going into the eyes you know, that we can. So, Dr. Wellick, before we go into what myopia is and how we can control it, tell us about open door. What is that? Yeah. So at, at our office, our clinic, we have uh, four doctors or four optometrists. Uh, I think we're up to ni 19 or 20 staff now, somewhere in there. And I've, I've always let them, we always want to give back to the community. That's very important in our practice. 
And so I've let our staff choose how they want to do the donation. So they, they've gotten to choose what theme or where we want money to go on, on many of our donations. And our, our general um, theme is for food. And um, Open Door is a, is a local pantry um, that helps provide food to uh, th those in, in need. And so we do, we do monthly donations. And then we have also done work with, um, we have a, a, an annual trunk show and we take donations for that. Um, we have, uh, some of the uh, staff have worked in local gardens to help with guard, just locally grown food. Um, and some have volunteered down there too. So, so we've tried to give time, talent, and treasure to, to open door a, a local uh, food shop operation. So that's wonderful how you guys uh, help donate. So people in need get fresh and nutritious food. If they want to donate, people watching this, it's opendoorpantry.org. So they could they could donate and help people in need to get nutritious food. So Dr. Wellick, uh, I want to ask you about myopia. So first, tell us what myopia is, and then I want to we're going to go into how we how we could control it a little bit. Absolutely. So my, myopia is the scientific term for what's called nearsightedness. And uh, for what most what, what mostly happens in, in a nearsighted or myopic eye is at, 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 a, at a, a child's eye will start to grow longer, okay, and in, increase in what's called axial length. So the eyeball gets longer. And now the eye, the light that's focused in the eye is focused in front of the retina and things that, that mostly at distance vision would tend to become blurry. And this can happen at a, at a very early age, sometimes, you know, six, seven, eight years old, um, more likely maybe a little bit older, but, uh, but many of the kids can ha have this happen at a very young age, especially if they had parents that are nearsighted too. So, um, so, and nearsighted is becoming much, much more common in today's world. Um, we were, we're, I, don't, I can't remember what the exact stats are, care, maybe even know better than I do, but, but uh, basically at, at the rate we're going and very soon, 50% uh, of the population is probably going to be nearsighted across the world. So it's becoming a very, very uh, prominent problem and issue to us. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, because in 1900, 3% of Americans were nearsighted, and now 42%, and by 2050, they're predicting 60%, and as you said, you know, about by 2050, 50% of the world will become nearsighted, so I'm going to answer you a tough question here, what do you think the cause of that is? Oh, gosh, you know, well, you know, a lot of people are going to say, is, is, is it the technology that's, that's happening now? So, uh, you know, a lot, lot is genetics um, for sure. Uh, uh, but, but, but I do think that things have changed most certainly for today's children, okay? Um, be, being on much more screen time, we're trying to study this. Is a, myopia is a very difficult thing to pin down exact causes, but we certainly know um, some things have changed with the amount of, of screen time for children and outdoor time. So um, with less outdoor time um, and in direct natural sunlight, we know that, that there's more 
progression or more issues with nearsightedness or myopia. So I, I never thought in my office I'd be telling young parents, you got to kick your kids outside to, to make sure their eyes are good. You know, I never thought that happened in my lifetime. And, and now even things like sleep patterns are becoming um, very, very, very studied in, the, in this field too, to see hours of sleep and what when, when is that sleep occurring? So, um, and there's probably, I, again, I, I agree with you. I think there's probably some nutritional causes in there too. So many multifactorial, we call this. When I was a kid, my mother used to yell at us to come inside. Now the parents are yelling at the kids, go outside. And play. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. And I, I think you bring up a great point because if one parent is nearsighted or myopic, that's 25% chance that their child will be uh, nearsighted. If both parents, 50% will 50 chance that the child will become nearsighted. And there was a, a really interesting study, and I'd like for you to comment on this. Uh, they did a study in, with Sydney kids versus Singapore kids, and they they looked at the amount of time that they were on a digital device, and the Singapore kids actually were on the digital device uh, more than three hours, and uh, the Sydney kids were actually on even more than that, but they were outside four times more than the than the uh, Singapore kids. And so the Sydney kids, only 3% became myopic and the Singapore 29% became myopic. So they were both on the digital device about the same, maybe a little bit more with the Sydney kids, but they were outdoors four times as much and only 3% became myopic where about 30% of the kids in Singapore became myopic. And I just would like for you to comment on that. And how does that kind of make you look at things when you hear a study like that yeah i i you know it's nice the one thing that's hard or been hard in myopia management areas is it it takes a long time to do these studies you know we, we don't do these in one or two years this takes years of work to do this so, but, but i think that evidence is becoming much much more clear and more studies about the amount of outdoor time that we that we do have to do and provide our, our eye with the natural lighting for natural development um, so we don't produce this length of the eyeball. And what do you think as far as side effects of myopia with increased risk of retinal detachment, myopic degeneration, cataracts, glaucoma? What do you think about as the eye elongates these there's actually medical side effects to it. Yeah, and, and that's that's actually what's uh, changed in our office of, of being the ability to teach parents about this. Um, our, our ability to find the, the myopic child very early is going to help them later on in lifetime when more of these uh, ocular pathologies or ocular disease are more prominent. So and again, the studies are showing that the, that the increased risk of some of these problems later on in life are much, much greater in the nearsighted patients. So, and, and I, I've told my staff, I'm at, uh, I'm getting more towards the end of my career, Carrie, <laughs> being at above 60 now. So, but, but one of my goals here in my, la my last years is to try to help with find these kids and help with myopia control. So, um, because the, the that's the main reason we're doing this is to help the child's long-term eye health. You know, and, you know, and you look at the 
what you said before about digital devices. The uh, Academy, American Academy of Pediatrics, under 18 months recommends no screen time. And between 18 months and two years, limited amount of screen time, not until they're over two to five years, a one hour max. So screen time seems to be something that, that being outside seems to be something that helps decrease the risk. And screen times, it seems like the experts are agreeing that increases the risk of needing glasses or becoming nearsighted. Totally agree, Carrie. Totally agree. So, and it, it seems kind of sad. It's like, what do we do? You know, these kids are so young. What's the first thing we do? We hand them an iPad to keep them pacified on things. Is that, and I tell my, my the parents of these patients, is that the right thing to do? I, I don't know the answer yet, but I certainly don't. I don't think so. So, and, and I think as we get more and more of these studies, you know, the field of myopia management is still pretty young, actually. Um, I guess I've always told people I've I've been doing uh, uh, orthokeratology for for many many years over twenty years of orthokeratology, but but I find that my clinic switched things over to talking about more myopia management now, and the reasons why I'm doing it again are for the health reasons of the children. So. So when I was doing the orthokeratology many years ago, I didn't know I was trying to help patients' eyes. I was just trying to help them see better without glass contacts. It was actually helping the health of their eyes. I mean, that's a great point. And if we look at ways that we could decrease myopia, you mentioned orthokeratology. The soft lenses are a way of doing it now. Uh, let's start with orthokeratology. Tell us what that is and how can that help us manage myopia? Yeah, so th this is the method of treatment that I'm most familiar with and, and again, have the most experience with. Uh, again, the soft lenses came a little bit later. So, so what happens with orthokeratology, we, we, we use a, a gas permeable contact lens that can reshape the front surface of the eye and, and refocus light differently inside the eye. So, so there's differences whether the light inside of our eye focuses on the center part of the retina or the, or the edge of the retina. And, and, and there's some differences in the way this focuses will promote the eyeball to lengthen. So, so again, what our job to do is to try to stop that eyeball from growing longer. And with these special overnight lenses, it'll it'll change the shape of the front surface of the eye so that we can get more of the focus in a different spot and prevent that lengthening. So these kids wear the lens, it's the reverse. It sounds kind of crazy, but we actually have the lens worn at nighttime, you know, very similar to a dental retainer. And then in the morning, they can take these lenses out and then they clean them at that time but, but the beautiful thing about that and the, the, the huge advantage I like is the most of the patients don't have to wear any type of correction during the day then. Hold that, hold that thought. We, we only have about seven seconds left to the break. I'm with Dr. Patrick Wellick. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes Radio. We'll be right back. MacU Health. Your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. We're back with Dr. Pat Wellick of Minnesota. He's Minnesota Apple Valley 
uh, Apple Valley Eye Care in Minnesota. He's giving you some great tips on myopia and nearsightedness, how to prevent it, and what to do if you're going to get it and reverse it or at least slow it down. So at the break, we were talking about orthokeratology, where we're using a gas permeable type of lens, which is like a harder lens back in the old days. And people sleep with it at night and it gently reshapes the eyes and the kids take it off in the morning and it decreases the progression about by about 70%. There's been a lot of studies on this. And tell us a little bit about maybe a case that you had or a patient that's done it. I know I do this quite a bit in my office and I've had some great success stories with kids. But tell us about somebody that maybe stands out in your mind of uh, a success story? Yeah, I, I, one I think of, and this, there's some good, there's some uh, good things on this side of the story, and there's some bad things on this on this story. But but I want to share both actually because it's been very learning to me. So um, there's a young patient, um, and her uh, father was a pilot, but he was a very high nearsighted patient, about a minus seven for those of you familiar, but that, that's fairly high nearsighted patient. And the mother was a little bit lower nearsighted. So both patients were myopic and they brought her in. Um, uh, I think it was, she was, she was actually, she was, she was 11 years old at the time. And the father was very interested in trying to prevent getting nearsighted like he was. So he understood very well uh, what could happen to his daughter's vision. So we went through the options and, and he did elect to do orthokeratology, the overnight gas permeable lens. So, um, and at the time that we saw her at 11 years old, she was probably a, like a minus two, okay? So lower nearsighted, we were trying to keep her at that level and, and not progress. So. Um, so fast forward, she she they they she stayed with me. She was a local uh, patient for many years, even through college, up until age 22. And we had done so we had done 11 years of orthokeratology with what's called the CRT or corneal refractive therapy lens, and was very very successful. So, um, and then at age 22. And, and she had not changed or advanced very minimally over the over that 11 year time period. So. At, at age 22, she had asked about maybe going into a soft lens, okay? And I was I was a little bit nervous because I thought maybe her eyes could still be changing. So I, I tried to convince her to stay in the CRT lens. She opted against it, and then she, she got fit in just a regular uh, soft lens. So, and then within, within three months, her prescription started to change um, and to get more nearsighted. Within six months, it would gone from a minus two to a minus 350. Within a year, she had probably been up to about a minus four. So she doubled her prescription in less than one year after we had kept it stable for 11. So um, that just, just a story of success and a story of learning about what, what this therapy can do. I mean, ortho-K or CRT, corneal refractive therapy, really has done some really great things for people. I've seen people, because it was approved around 19, uh, 2002, 2003. Yep. 2003. You know, and uh, I have patients from 2003 that are still using it. Uh, I have one patient 
who's a physician now and you know she was a little girl and now she's a physician and she still uses it and uh loves it but i have hundreds of patients i'm sure like yourself but let's move on to soft lenses now there are soft lenses that could slow down myopia so rather than wearing a gas permeable lens which may not be as comfortable and you have to take it off in the morning and and be able and you can see good this time you're just wearing a soft lens to slow down the myopia so tell us a little bit about that yeah so my site was developed and it's being marked with cooper vision um it's been a great great help to our success with myopia management because there were many people who either were intimidated by a gas permeable lens or or maybe they just couldn't handle that type of lens or maybe there were some discomforts. So there, there were some hurdles. We had very, very good successes with, with many patients with, with the overnight gas perm orthokeratology, but, but it wasn't for everybody. So now with the advent of the MySight lens, that, that has really extended our range of patients that we can fit. And, and I, I feel too, Carrie, that uh, the younger patients actually have probably done a little bit better with that sometimes than, than with the orthokeratology. So we're very happy because we do want to catch these patients as early as we can in the process. So my site, explain what it is. What type of lens? Is it a daily? Is it a weekly? Is it a two-week, monthly? And uh, how does it work? Yeah, so it, it, it's going to work almost the same way as the orthokeratology. Again, again, it's a, a different way that light focuses inside the eye. So it looks like just a regular soft lens. And it is a one-day throwaway again. So we, we like the idea of the of the daily disposable for the, the health, the comfort, the convenience, and the vision. Um, so it is a one-day throwaway. But but again, it's just it's it, it's it's made or manufactured differently to have a different way that light focuses inside of our eye so that it decreases the ability of the eyeball to, to lengthen over time. And do you use any instruments in your office to measure the length of the eye to see if it's getting bigger uh, as they're wearing these type of lenses? Yeah, I, I think that that's the most important thing we have to measure over time, in my opinion. Um, I think to be an expert in this field, I think we need to measure this. Um, I know some, there's some arguments in and out of optometry. Should we measure this or not? So, but, but we use, we've got uh, what's called the topographer that'll measure the shape of the front of the eye, but it also now we can, we have different functions that can measure the, the length of the eyeball. So we do that at every, every visit. We'll see these kids normally um, every six months to measure the, the, the length. And it's a great, great tool to help the parents you know, know too, is this therapy really working or not? So, and to us too now as practitioners. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we use something also to measure the length of the eye. And I, I think if you're going to get involved in something like this, it's important that you do measure the length of the eye to see what your progress is. Is it working? Is it not working? Whether you're using MySight, which is a soft contact lens that slows the progression. And I think the statistics about it slows it about about 70% as well will slow the progression or you're using ortho K like a Paragon type of lens, which will also slow the progression, but do it in a different way where you're sleeping with that, that hard, that gas permeable lens at night and then taking it off in the morning and a, a, being able to see. 
Is, are there any other instruments that you think are critical for somebody that's uh, a patient is going in to get their eyes examined for to see if they're nearsighted or myopic that that they they should they should have or that you do in your office? Yeah, you know, and again, we've got, uh, you know, we try to keep up with technology very well. So e even the instruments that are going to help us detect the diseases later on, we try to institute those early as possible. Um, wide field pictures of the inside of the, the eye and the retina, um, photographs and measurements of the optic nerve size and shape. Um, the eye, there's many different ways down to measure eye pressure. That should be done at every other, every exam. So so there's a host of, of visual health things that are probably done at most exams and, and maybe sometimes not explained to the patients properly, but we're, we're, we make sure we under, the patients understand um, that we're doing a, a very comprehensive eye health exam and the importance of that. So um, yeah, so yeah. Techno technology and, and, and procedures, consistent procedures too, that's what's very helpful too, Carrie. If we can get people coming in once a year for their annual exams, it's much easier for me to follow and know, are there any health changes going on? If, if I see that patient maybe once every four or five years, it's more difficult to tell if there have been changes to the ocular health. You know, that's a good point about annual exams because, you know, people now are going on their cell phone and getting their eyes examined, their prescription examined uh, by their cell phone or by some digital device rather than going in to see uh, an eye doctor like yourself. You know, what's the pros and cons by doing it on the cell phone as opposed to going into seeing the eye doctor? Yeah, it, it, it's very important to get that relationship built with your, your eye care practitioner, extremely important. I, and, and I'm going to just use my, my health example. Again, I'm at, I told you I'm at 60. So my doctor here in Apple Valley had been with for many years. He, he moved on to go into the Mayo Clinic system and, and moved away from Apple Valley. And I, you know, I tried to work with another doctor for another period of time and nothing against that doctor, but it was not the same. And, and so I end up following my doctor who's probably now, you know, 50 minutes away, but I don't care that he knew me. He knows me when I walk in, I don't have to review all the my whole story with them. He knows how I feel about things. So, so that, I think that personal relationship is, is extremely important, um, especially in today's world where we've lost a lot of that in the, in the cold hard world of, again, technology and, 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 and again, a personal relationship with an eye care practitioner is you know, almost more important than, again, all this technology we talk about. You know, because when the patient's sitting in front of you, you know, you get a you get a big feel for the patient. You know, you 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 refract. You're, you're doing prescription. Refractions when we're getting a prescription for either contacts or glasses, and we do a lot with our ears. We could see the way the the facial expressions. The patients will tell us things, and many times that we can help them with their general health as well. And, and again, the you know the on the phone refractive technologies again they they still can't think they haven't these things can gather data and sometimes they're accurate sometimes not accurate so they, they, yeah they don't think they don't discuss they don't help you troubleshoot 
So yeah, obviously we're here to promote the, you know, the annual exam so important. And again, I, I tell patients all the time, I hope we come in here and sometimes nothing happens. That's okay, you know. So we talked about soft contact lenses, uh, a brand that's FDA approved called MySight. We talked about gas permeable lenses that people sleep with at night and they wake up in the morning and they take off the contacts, both of these modalities decrease the progression of nearsightedness by about 70%. We know that as people get more nearsighted, they have a greater risk of myopic macular degeneration, cataracts, glaucoma, retinal detachment. So we don't want the eyeball to expand. We want to try to slow it down. So there's another way of doing it, and that's with drops, and it's atropine drops. Atropine's been around for a very long time, and it's very low-dose atropine. So Dr. Wellick, What's your opinion about using uh, atropine and where would that be on your on your pyramid of most important to least important? And if you had if you had a younger child or a grandchild, now that you're 60, although you don't look a day over 40, <laughs> uh, if you had, would you put them on atropine first or would you go more to a soft contact or the gas permeable type? Yeah, great question, Carrie. So that, that is definitely in, in our clinic, our, our third choice for myopia management. So again, we're primarily probably CRT first in most cases, my site soft lens is number two, atropine trailing number three for sure. So yeah, at, atropine, it's a, it's a di, old dilating drops. So some of the people that are old enough maybe had some atropine in their eyes to, to dilate the pupil to look inside the eye. Um, and again, like you said, we use very low, low dosages of this. And we're not, we're not quite sure of the exact mechanism of how this works to slow down the myopia, but, but it does work, but probably to a much lesser degree than what we do with the other two um, modalities for sure. So I, I've got some patients on it. Uh, again, if you know, some patients have read about this and want to do it, Again, we got to be a little careful. Some kids do get a dilated pupil or they could have a little bit of problems with, with their near vision or reading vision when they do this. So there's a few side effects, but the, but the parent will put a drop in like at nighttime, at bedtime, um, one drop in, and, and then it, it, it essentially does try to slow down that lengthening process again. We're not quite sure why. So, but I, I, I'm very interested to see, uh, Carrie, what will happen with, uh, any combined therapeutical help along with the other two modalities? You know, I think a combination is probably a great idea, you know, whether it's combination of gas permeable and my site, you know, you get hitting them with both, which, you know, which not too many people are doing or maybe adding in the drops, but, you know, you always, whenever you're going to put someone on these drops, they're going to be on a kid for a long time. Uh, so it's something that I know from me, I'm talking for myself, something I have to think really hard about if I want a kid, even though it's a low dose medication, do I want them on one of these drops for a long period of time, or would it be better to put them in a soft my site type contact lens or a gas permeable, uh, CRT, uh, type contact lens. And that's a, a discussion between that us as doctors have to really talk to the parents about. And you know, and see what would be the best for the for the kid. 
Yeah, very, very much in agreement, Carrie. Yeah, I, I'm in the exact same camp. So again, it just, it does take a long time to study these things. So, and, and then again, even with the studies, almost most practitioners need to convince themselves and do it personally and see how they feel about things too. It's one thing to read it in the study or hear about it from other doctors. It's another thing to do it on your own patients. So. And something else that's coming out for myopia control, they're going to be spectacle lenses. I know Essilor has one and some of the other companies have one. And is that something, you know, that you've looked into and have you thought about these type of spectacle lenses? Oh, oh yeah, I, I will welcome that handily. So, and, and again, that just expands our ability to be able to treat more of these patients earlier. Uh, you know, again, again, some of these early kids that can't do a contact at all or might be afraid of an op atropine drop or if the, the parents would opt against an atropine, glasses are going to be wonderful. So, yeah, I can't wait until that gets approved. I know it's, again, approved outside of our country. We're always a little slower to get things adopted here in the U.S. Uh, because of our FDA. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what that does, too, because that will really open more of the floodgates. And I, I think it I think one of the problems with myopia management too, Carrie, is the just the public um, public doesn't know about it. You know, I'll get these patients that'll have my site or especially orthokeratology lenses, and the parents will be telling other parents sitting at a ball game or something, "Hey, my kid's not. How's your kid not wearing any glass or contacts now?" And 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 not enough people know what this is about yet so so getting the public awareness out there is 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 huge for us there's other specialty contact lenses now like multifocal daily contact lenses contact lenses for astigmatism that are that are daily lenses for you know i think we are in agreement that daily or single-use contact lenses are the safest the most convenient and the best way of wearing contact lenses and really the 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 companies that manufacture contact lenses that's where they're putting their r d into these type of lenses so if you could comment a little bit about uh contact lenses for people over the age of 40 who are presbyo presbyopes who lost their ability to focus but now they could wear contacts and they could even wear single-use contacts Oh yeah, wonderful things again. And, and again, we're, we're, we're so happy that it's available now in one, one day lenses. So uh, yeah, so everybody you know around upper 30s to low 40s is gonna start to lose some of the focus ability of the eye called presbyopia and, and needs some kind of reading correction most likely, you know, by the, by the mid 40s for sure usually. So, you know, the ability early on multifocal contacts were, were very difficult to manufacture. They just didn't provide very, very good quality visions. So most people were, and again, lots of people are unaware of it, first of all, but many people were unsuccessful. So those, those people can easily be fit many times with some of the new lenses that the companies have really amped up their game to, to be able to provide great, great lenses this this type of population so and, and again the other thing i think people shouldn't be afraid to try lenses at a later age i get, I get many patients come in care and they'll say you know what i'm i'm too old for contacts i say no way I've, I've got ladies in their 70s wearing one day throwaway contact lenses you know very successfully so there's never an age range where they can't you say you can't wear contacts anymore 
Yeah, and I, and I, you know, from experience, I think when you wear contacts, people should wear a contact from the big four, whether it the big four manufacturers, whether it's Cooper Vision or Alcon or Johnson Johnson Vision or Bausch and Lomb, rather than some of these contact lenses that are manufactured overseas. I'm finding that patients don't get the same amount of oxygen, safety, and vision. I don't know if you've have found the same thing i i totally agree totally agree no, no, number one we want to be everything above board legal first of all and, and and again protecting our patients too that's our number one thing like i said like i told you before we i tell patients this is a piece of plastic on your eye that's going to be on there for many years we, we need the top level safety that we can have um the lenses that we provide to them are all fda approved um, and, you know, and very proven successful over many practices like yours and ours. So um, totally agree with you. And I just want to switch gears real quick. Uh, diabetic eye exams. Uh, that's something that you have on your website. Tell us about the importance of diabetics getting their eyes examined. Yeah. So, so diabetes, kind of the main thing that happens is just to really dumb it down. The basics is the, the, the blood, tiny blood vessels inside the eye and the retina can become very leaky and they'll bleed. Okay. And then that can leak blood and other fluids and other spots of the retina that we don't want, you know, this is called diabetic retinopathy. And, you know, it, it can be extremely common as, as the A1C or the blood sugars get higher and higher. So if you have uncontrolled diabetics, this, this could become very, um, a very serious problem for them. So, so they, they need to be seen annually for sure. You know, they should be educated with their primary care um, physicians that this needs to be done and in our offices too, to make sure we take very, very close care of monitoring annually for, for the diabetic retinopathy. Well, I want to thank Dr. Patrick Wellick for joining me today from Apple Valley Eye Care in, in Minnesota. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, Pat, how could they do that? Yeah. So our, our clinic again is Apple Valley Eye Care. Um, and we're in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Um, you know, our, our phone number, 952-432-0680. You can find us on the website, again, at applevalleyeyecare.com. Um, and uh, I enjoyed doing this, Carrie. This is very, hopefully this is very helpful to other people, but I enjoyed it very much. I want to thank Dr. Patrick Wellick for joining me today. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280, The Patriot. See you next week. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. 
Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today.